Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast. MWR.com is what, uh, what we're doing here, Matt. That's our website where you can find anything and everything on the conference. Jeremy here, Matt hanging out over there. In, uh, is it still blistering hot in uh, Central California? Oh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's hot everywhere. That's where you're getting at. Europe, Utah, Texas, everywhere, right? Fresno? Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to do Nevada preview. Sorry for the shuffling here. I'm grabbing my fill still another material I need to get out, but... Uh, again, a lot of podcasts this week. We had one San Diego State recently. If you're listening to this in some sort of time order, but who knows for on-demand audio. Media days are going on right now. We'll be discussing that next. So next podcast, that should be coming out. You can hear us. We'll talk about Greg Thompson, order a finish, and some salty fans, and a weird vote by one media member, which we'll probably never know unless they admit it publicly online. So, <laughs> But today, Nevada Wolfpack, which uh, – Oh man, I don't know what to talk about the Wolfpack, man. They uh well we do, but it's uh it's gonna be a situation this year with new head coach, half the team going to east to Fort Collins to fall old coach Jay Norvell. So should we get with the Ken Wilson hiring and kind of what happened with Jay Norvell? Is that a good starting point? Well, I mean, we do typically start with what happened last year. And I think honestly, if you're if you're sort of boiling down how 2021 played out for the Wolfpack. It really is a matter of what might have been mm-hmm. uh, followed shortly thereafter by okay, what now? Exactly. Uh, because you know they were they were two and three, I believe, in one score games throughout last year. But you know it was the, that trio of two point losses that they had to three teams that ultimately finished ahead of them in the standings: Fresno State, San Diego State, and Air Force, mm-hmm. that really defined the season because. All three of those games were, I mean, yes, they were close losses, but they were also like sort of particularly brutal if you're a Wolfpack fan. You know, they had a chance to force overtime in Fresno. Um, and then, the, you know, the, the final play was a little, uh, if memory serves, it was a little bit controversial as to whether it was pass interference or not in the end zone. Um, then, you know, on top of that, they lost the lead to San Diego State with, with less than a minute and a half to go in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they, you know, they battled Air Force, but the Falcons ultimately beat them in three overtimes. And that sort of 
tells you just as much about how the season went as much as everything that followed, you know, in that sort of the, 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 the period of time between the end of the regular season and bowl season, which was when you started hearing about, you know, people leaving the program, like, you know, Carson Strong declared for the NFL and then, you know, Romeo Dubs backed out of the bowl game and then, you know, Cole Turner. And so long story short, you know, this is a team that, you know, they had what three players taken in last year's NFL draft. Yeah. The multiple players, Carson Strong was an undrafted free agent from Philadelphia. He was undrafted, mm-hmm. but given a, given a pretty substantial free agent contract. Yeah. And their deal with Jalen um, Hurts and whatnot, it's not necessarily in stone for what they have. And I think they have a uh, Gordon Minshew as well. Yeah. And then, um, you know, then the mass exodus happens. You know, Jane Orvell is courted by Colorado State. He leaves. He takes a ton of different players with him. And, you know, just like that, you know, by the end of January, you're thinking, oh, my God, well, what's this, what's this team going to do? But, you know, now we're here six months later. We're recording this on July 20th. And th- I think that there are plenty of reasons, if not for optimism, to be interested in this team. You know, when you look at the the preseason F plus projections that were put out uh, a couple of weeks ago at this point, which, you know, if you're not familiar with the metric, it's basically a combination of, of FEI, which we talk about a lot on this podcast, uh, and Bill Connolly's SP plus metric. So it's just a combination of those two. It actually projects Nevada in the top 100. Interesting. You can believe that. That's weird. Second, we or can... 96th overall. It's weird just because of losing NFL-style quarterback, one of the best receivers in history, Cole Turner, who's one of the other NFL guys who got drafted. Um, mm-hmm. They returned some decent players. Like, we get to Don Peterson on defense, to Atal there running back. Um, but that's – I'm wondering what they see. What is FP plus – because I know you mentioned before, but if nobody's listening or new listener from last show didn't hop in every week. What does FP plus actually measure? measure? So so FEI is a, is a drive-by-drive metric of efficiency and SP plus is a play by play measure of efficiency. So it doesn't really directly tell you like how good or bad a team is in general. What it tells you is how good they are at doing the things within a game that are most predictive of, of teams that win. So like you talk about explosive plays, you know, forcing three and outs, things like that, um, you know, creating havoc and things like that. And so, you know, that's why, you know, even in terms of like, you know, returning production, I think you know, Nevada, if memory serves, is dead last. <laughs> or or that, you know, that Bill Conley yeah. might have adjusted that um, in the month since. Uh, I'm looking at his article from, I think it was from February. He's where updated. They were last with, with 27% of last year's uh, returning production. If it's changed. It hasn't gone up. To say it, hasn't, <laughs> it hasn't changed by that much. I know for a fact they're still in the bottom three. Um, coincidentally, along with two other Mountain West teams that I believe we've already talked about in these team podcasts, but which is a long way of saying that, yeah, there's going to be a lot of new faces, but, and, I, and I'm sure that this is what Wolfpack fans are hoping for, unknown doesn't always equal bad. One thing we should mention is that, let's get to the new coach, Ken Wilson, who was from Oregon, former Nevada guy, defensive coach. Part of Nevada's people, maybe Wolfpack fans, are frustrated or whatnot because Jay Norvell has literally paid one of the worst coaches in the conference. That's why he left the Colorado State because the Rams are more committed to football, or at least it seems on the surface mm-hmm. of the stadium. Well, I guess it's a fact, essentially, because Doug Newth there, it's weird because they gave Steve Alford on the basketball side a 10-year contract, pretty, pretty sizable pay relative to the conference. But football, it's like, mm-hmm. well, dude, football brings the money. 
And that's why Norvell left. They had, remember when there was the uh, last year? There's always fires out west, typically, which because the world's burning as it is at the moment. But they had to go to what, Stanford, I believe it was, to leave the uh, the Reno area because they have no indoor facility to. Which they may have may have had to have gone anyways because who knows how bad the smoke was at the time? I don't recall. But they had to go to California, mm-hmm. spend all that money, which build a facility. You don't do that a couple times a year. You don't have to leave town. So there's that they don't they just don't put enough money in football and they pay coaches not great, and he overachieved by miles relative like dollar per win he probably was the best in Mountain West and he was rumored as well going to he was wasn't seriously considered but Oklahoma was giving him a call because he used to coach with Stoops and was there like he's been at Arizona State he's been at Texas he's been all these bigger places as a receivers coach typically and they don't realize what they have and now they'll well hopefully Ken Wilson does a good job but. They lost a good thing, but they probably could have been up, could have held on to it. But they are pinching pennies, it seems like. Yeah, I mean that is part of the equation. Um, I don't really know what else you could say beyond that, really. No, I think I handled it all apparently <laughs> that little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, it's just a that's a concern when they also they probably overpaid Ken Wilson to be a coach because I know he got more than Norvell, but he's still near the bottom. So they're. It's like if you ever listen to Split Zone, do they talk about it with Stephen Godfrey and stuff about how much because they talk about everything in college football and they discuss this coaching search partly because the Adazio mm-hmm. stuff at CSU was weird, Norville, all that kind of ties together with Urban Meyer being involved at the Rams job. But Wolfpack pretend to want to be a football team. Essentially, at least they that's what they've shown us for what they pay. Success is a different story because with Chris Alt, they've been the FCS titles, doing well. Colin Kaepernick, extremely – they've overachieved by miles. Imagine, Matt, if you're Wolfpack fans, like, dude, what if we were just middle of the pack? Well, stupid pun. But right in the middle of spending money, they could be what they've been – maybe not when Colin Kaepernick was their top 10 team, but they could be more overachieving, kind of been what they've been the past couple of years or even higher if they just spend a little bit more money here and there. And so maybe they've realized, and, can, and that's kind of where they're going a little bit, but – that's this team could be better than what it is. It's been pretty dang good under Jane Ravel when he was there. Yes, exactly. So where do you want to start here? Do you want to start the quarterback, which is really up in the air after uh, an arrest a few months ago? Yeah, and coincidentally enough, it's it's sort of fortuitous that we're recording this on the first day of media days because Ken Wilson actually happened to give uh, at least a preliminary timetable of when they expect to have the situation resolved one way or the next. Uh, and that is uh, that is week zero against New Mexico State. So I have to imagine that um, they're going to give every opportunity for, for either one of Nate Cox or Shane Ellingworth to go into fall camp and prove that they deserve to be the starter. Yeah, because in the bowl game, Nate Cox didn't do well, but it also was also a pretty bad situation he was put into when they played. Uh, I don't remember it's a MAC team. I forget what they played and got beat pretty bad. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he got arrested for DUI back in this is a June fifth article was written, so it was uh, a couple days before then. But if he's ready to go and everything's solved on that aspect, whatever he had to do to uh, be able to be back in the program and things like that, I think he'll be the guy. But, and they have a couple of games. Like, their schedule is not daunting at the beginning. New Mexico State, Texas State, Incarnate Word, those three games are all winnable games for whoever's a quarterback. So maybe it's a time where if uh, Ken Wilson wants to experiment or give somebody, say it's not completely settled, or at least give another guy a chance. Like, well, yeah, Nate Cox won it, but well, let's see. We're up 21-3 to over Incarnate Word at halftime. Let's give him a couple reps in the third quarter, see what he can do. That might be a situation I could totally see being played out just to – 
get a, a, a real sample size or a real life competition or not competition, but real life game experience instead of going up against a practice where the quarterback can't get it with the red jersey on. Well, and here, here's the other thing too. Like, I don't know that if either guy has the same kind of arm that Carson Strong did. Oh, duh. Come on. But I think it is worth noting what Illingworth was able to accomplish, you know, in his short time at uh, Oklahoma State. Um, you know, because he found himself in a situation, I want to say multiple times, where he was replacing Spencer Sanders. Um, I think there was, there was they had a Tulsa game. I can't remember if it was last year or two years ago, where he came off the bench and helped rally the Cowboys to a win in that game. Um, but if, if he also won all three starts that he made with the Cowboys. And while it does come with a limited sample size, it's also worth noting that in terms of pro football focus, like their overall grades, his improved from 68.3 in 2020 and 83 to 83.1 last year, which again, you know, you're talking about a guy who only threw like what, 20, 30, 40 passes. I'm trying to look at the exact number right now as we speak. Not many. Um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, so you know your mileage may vary with like how much weight you want to get that. He has 120 career attempts. He had 50 last year, um, but that included one start where he was pretty decent against a, a, a pretty solid Missouri State FCS team. So, you know, again, take that for what, you, what it's worth. But I think there's the capacity where he could be one of the more important finds for any team in the Mountain West this year when it comes to who they brought in through the transfer portal. Yeah. They come from big 12, big 12 team. Oklahoma state's has quarterbacks in the past. What Mike Gundy do, has done is offense. It's pass heavy wide open, which we'll see what Ken Wilson wants to do because Nevada did lose, I believe their top seven pass catchers. So quite a few are gone, but mm-hmm. if he played well in the big 12 and won those couple of starts, he has a, it's probably, it's going to be a toss up. Like Phil still has him over Nate Cox starting in his magazine for this year. So I know that's, Mm-hmm. Not everything, but that's most people are thinking, oh, it's going to be Nate Cox, but not so fast. Him coming in for playing against better teams. And it's just learning the offense, which Nate Cox has the advantage over for being here the past couple of years. That's the one thing where it's going to, it could come down to that. Like, well, who understands? But I get then again, it's new for everybody. So it may not even matter, honestly, as I think about it for half a second that they have a new freaking head coach. So it's pretty much even, essentially. But because no, it's not like Nate Cox has a report with all his receivers. Or offensive line, I mean, not as much. So I think it'll be out of maybe it's a good article we'll do down the road, like one of the quarterback competitions. There's not a ton in the conference, but this might be there's this, there's what Colorado State has a competition, Hawaii, maybe, but probably not. Who knows what's going on in New Mexico? But this could be a more interesting one to look out for that could kind of determine, exactly. yeah, could determine a little bit here or there for an extra one or two. Who knows? So if the decision was yours to make, who would you start a quarterback? Um, I don't like people who make, I don't like people who screw up and Nate Cox had a pretty big screw up. I'm just saying it's not good. Uh, that's, I mean, that's a fair argument. It is. It's like, it's, you're not being smart. You get rushed at 4 32 AM. Come on. That, what's, what's your problem? That's, um, stuff happens and 
maybe learn from it. He's a good guy. But I was leaning Nate Cox, but I think I'd go with the transfer because everything's pretty much even because why not go with uh, Ellingworth there because he's Shane's been around at a better program, actually played more games. I know Nate Cox played a little bit, but the four games is not a lot. But I might lean toward him just because he's actually seen more live actual game time, and that's kind of what I think is uh, pretty important or really important to decide he's going to be your quarterback. Yeah, and you know the silver lining to the quarterback situation, regardless of whoever wins the job, they're at least going to have some proven entities behind them in the backfield too. Definitely, Dante Lee and T- T- um, Toa Tao has been there. Toa Tao is what fourth year guy finally. He's still hanging around, been there forever. Uh, fifth year, I believe. fifth year, yeah, COVID year, all that type of stuff <laughs> going crazy for who's eligible for the next little while. But yeah, that that's I think probably the mo- one of the most important positions on this team because you have two good running backs. Like Toa Tao could be there's a lot of good conference running backs, but they're only going to release the first team, and he's not going to make that one. That's released on probably by the time you're hearing this, it's out already. But I wouldn't be shocked if he was. He could be a second team running back by the end of the season. And Dante Lee's no slub himself. Yeah, I was interested in looking it up while I was doing research, and so I looked it up, and they have a combined four thousand three hundred thirty-nine rushing yards between the two of them. I think the biggest catch coming into twenty twenty-two is can they be more explosive than they were last year, which. You know, as we'll talk about more later on, wasn't entirely their fault, but it is worth keeping in mind that you know after the two of them, we're talking about both Tawa and Lee, they combined for 5.62 yards per carry two years ago, 2020. Last year, they combined for 11 touchdowns, but that average drops to 4.52, which isn't it isn't terrible, but you know you when you look at the team when you look at what they accomplished as a team. You know, just looking at raw numbers and like yards per carry isn't the, the most accurate way of measuring things because it doesn't like uh, adjust for sacks or anything like that. But, you know, you look at the fact that Nevada averaged under three yards per carry as a team. And that sort of tells you that there was a lingering problem that, um, you know, Tawa and Lee, regardless of how talented they were, couldn't always rise above it. Um they were able to help themselves by the fact that they also had 58 combined catches. But again, at the same time, you know, those catches only come only averaged 6.8 yards, which, you know, when you look at other pass catching running backs out of the mountain West last year, you're talking about like your, your Jordan Mims, your George Halani's, your Calvin Turner juniors. Like they were basically averaging maybe half 60% tops Hmm. of what those top pass catching running backs were, were uh, pulling in. And so as, as good as I think Tawa and Lee can be, it also wouldn't be a huge shock to me if, if, if Wilson and offensive coordinator, Derek Sage wanted to open up the committee a little bit, you know, whether that means, you know, giving more run to guys like, you know, to veteran guys like uh, Wesley Comer or Dylan Overstreet or, um, you know, turning to a guy like you know, like one of the many many Oregon imports, uh, Cross Patton. Yeah, that's a big deal. Like that's what's going to lead that depth. There is going to be very important for this team, and with yeah. the offense and all that type of stuff going on, it's handing the ball off is what every team does, to, and it's not too uh, tricky or difficult or very all that unique. You know what I mean? And I mm-hmm. I just think with that depth, the guys coming back, that's going they're going to lean on that heavy. So the quarterback position at least early on, won't have to, oh, you're going to need to pull even within 70% of what Carson Strong did the past couple of years. They could be more mm-hmm. – and would Ken Wilson be a defensive guy? It makes total sense to want to use multiple backs, run the ball quite a bit, and just try to bleed a team out and 
scores the points that way, probably, and once again, defense, probably want to lean on that to be the strength of their team, which eh, very well could be. Yeah, but you know, one way or another, I think they're going to need that running game. And it seems like that's the mm-hmm. kind of thing that, well, I don't have any exact quotes, but I get the sense from, from what I can recall of what Ken Wilson has said about the direction of the offense, that the running game is going to play a bigger role. It's just a matter of how much bigger, like whether it's going to be more balanced or whether this can be like a, a little more of a ball control element to it rather than sort of pitching it around the field left, right, and center. Yeah, I no, I agree. I think that's they're going to have to do that. So after he's going to catch the ball, they lost their uh, top uh, seven pass catchers. Does that sound right, Matt? That sounds about right. Basically, everybody: Cole Turner, Romeo Dubs, Elijah Cooks. Well, Marquis Stovall transferred to. Is that correct? He's at Colorado State. Oh, yeah, I like everybody. Justin else. Lockhart's at San Jose State. Uh, they do, like I said, Toatala, thirty-nine catches. So that's something. Yeah, but Elijah a- Cooks also at San Jose State. <laughs> everybody's at San Jose State or CSU. So it's a this going to be a more, not to sound like a broken record for the quarterback, but this competition is going to be crazy. So he's going to step up. Everybody has a fair chance to be the guy on this on this offense catching the ball. And that'll be something that, that'll be interesting for this team. So then let me ask you, like, is there is there one guy that you have your eye on oh, man. in the group? I don't know. I've been trying to look over, see who's doing what. Uh, they have – most well, okay, so while, while you think about it, can I give you one? Yeah, well, just don't take my guy, please, because it'll be embarrassing if I say the same person. Okay, well, then should no, I? No, go, no, go, it's going to go for it. I don't care. I'm fine. I'm messing with you. <laughs> okay. I think Jamal Bell could be a keeper. Why is that? Because, you know, we, like we just talked about with, with Cox at quarterback, like he stepped into a really difficult situation in the bowl game last year. And he responded pretty well. Like he was, he might have been the biggest individual uh, bright spot for Wolfpack in that game. You know, he had seven catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown. And, you know, we already know what he can do as a returner. And I have to imagine that, you know, for a team that doesn't have a lot of established options, you know, he could be one of those guys that we've talked about here and there throughout, you know, different podcasts, like, you know, you know, we talked about it with like Zion Bowens, for example, at Hawaii. Yeah. I think Bell could be a similar kind of guy who just by virtue of having a much bigger workload as a starting wide receiver, that he could be in a, for a much bigger year than anybody would suspect. Possibility. I, I don't know. BJ Castillo could be a, be a big guy. He's been around as a senior, so he's been around for a bit. But it could be anybody, like what, 10 yards per catch he had? But I don't know who's going to be the guy they had. It's just anybody who could be it. And you yeah. might your option might be the best ones because you actually played in the bowl game and showed up when it was basically the team that they're gonna have this year or last year going into this year. So Yeah, and, and Castile Castile does have 90 career catches. Yeah, you know, he played for four years at Arizona. Mm-hmm. But you know, to your point, you know, I'm assuming that you were talking about last year. He averaged 10 yards catch. That's what I said. Yeah, did I not say that? Or sorry, yeah. Uh you didn't clarify. No, but apologies. I add that yeah. For his career, he has only averaged 9.8 yards per catch. Oh, so I get the sense that if he's gonna have any kind of role, it might be as more of a slot receiver type role. They'll take any catches they uh, can get. Know, more team. of a more of a possession type role. That's fine. You can do that. They're not gonna be they're not gonna be a 50 yard bombs to dubs like last year. And then and then beyond that, then you start getting into the question marks. You, you because it's it's not like the Wolfpack don't have you know, returning guys from last year's roster. And I think Tyrese Mack is a perfect example of that. But, you know, then you're you're dipping into, 
you know, a lot of, you know, maybe, I don't know, this could be a place where true freshmen could step up. Because one thing I noticed in sort of looking at all the rosters, they don't have a lot of big targets who might be able to play on the outside. Um, you know, most of them, I would say, projected major contributors like Bell is 5'10", for example, Castile is six foot even, uh, Mac is five foot eleven. So, and, and even like a, like an organ transfer, like Spencer Curtis, mm-hmm. he's, he's also five foot 11. So I wonder in one catch last you know, year. If, <laughs> yeah. So like if, if maybe someone like, you know, Tyler Clark, six foot three might get some run or something like that. Um, and if not, then at least, you know, that even though they only have three tight ends listed on the current roster, um, that two of them, Carlton Brown, the third and Cooper Schultz, um, and again, Schultz, another Oregon transfer, but both of those guys are six foot six. So they might be able to at least provide something that that it, that at least approaches what the offense looked like last year, that they have at least a little bit of height. And, and with Illingworth, one thing I noticed in uh, in looking over his, his YouTube tape with my admittedly untrained eyes is he did have the capacity to make a lot of the same throws in the red zone that, that Carson Strong did. And so I think that that's something to keep an eye on, especially with, with the tight ends, Brown and Schultz. Yeah, it's going to be – I don't know if it could be a situation where it's like we're throwing to six guys. And, again, that's where schedule comes into play to help them a lot. Those first couple of games aren't overbearing or amazing opponents. So they may get a chance to mm-hmm. see – Eight, including tight ends, what, 10 deep pass catchers possibly mm-hmm. to kind of see who's out there and it could be a situation, okay, this lineup works well, this combination worked versus this team or this scenario. I expect we'll know more when they go at Iowa. Iowa would be difficult. Air Force, CSU will be hard too just because the scenarios and transfers. But the first month will give – it's almost like – I know Nevada's not supposed to be amazing, but New Mexico State, Texas State, Incarnate Word should be fine against those teams. And there'll be a chance to – extend fall camp to see who really is their guys once the season really gets going. And that's where receiving group, like I said, could go 10 deep and figure out, okay, here's our top four to six guys. And we'll work with that after starting in late September. And that's also true of the offensive line too, because the union is like, like the pass catchers are sort of starting from scratch too. Mm-hmm. Unlike the pass catchers though, that may not be a bad thing depending on your perspective. <laughs> We saw the running game versus Kansas State last year, guys. We know what happened. Well, okay. So more, bro- <laughs> more broadly, though, we saw the running game, period. Exactly. And, and when I said earlier that, that Tawa and Lee can't really bear a, you know, a lot of the responsibility for the ineffectiveness, and that's because the run blocking for, among this unit is just statistically was one of the worst in the country last year. You know, we talk about like line yards per carry, for example. Um, they ranked 127th. 2.24 line yards per carry by opportunity rate, which just basically means getting your running backs to the second level. They only did that 43.9% of the time. That was in the triple digits, 105th. Stuff rate, a little, little easier to understand. This just plays stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage, 24.9%. So basically one out of every four plays that they ran on the ground, they, they were stopped for no gain or for a loss. That, that was next out. to last among FBS teams. And oh, by the way, this is a team that was pass first, obviously. So maybe that wasn't a big deal, but they were only okay at pass protection too. You know, they still allowed a team sack rate that was only 74th in the country, 6.9%. So, you know, yeah, they're losing a lot of guys. You know, some of those guys followed Norvell to Colorado State. But if you're looking for good news, the one guy they have coming back 
Aaron Frost pretty good. was arguably the best of that entire unit. You know, if, again, just turning to, to pro football pro football focus grades for a second, among the five, you know, majority starters from last year, he had the highest overall grade, 68.0. With the caveat that if you go look at the run and pass splits, he was much better as a run blocker than he was at a pass, as a pass blocker, which seems sort of ironic given everything I just said about the unit as a whole. But that might is that might be something that could pay dividends going forward if Wilson and Sage want to place more of an emphasis on the running game, that they might have someone, at least one player, that they can rely upon to help take them in that direction. Yeah, yeah, Frost and then whoever else is back. And, and again, you're right, it, it, it may not be worse than last year because it's kind of hard to be. Like you mentioned, the sack rate or rush rate they or whatever rate they're not good at. Every rate they're terrible last year in offensive line, it seemed like. And, yeah, and, and the other thing is too, like you know, we might not be overly familiar with the names that are that are probably going to be slotted into the starting lineup, but I would also say that depth might not be an issue either because most of those names have either a fair bit of just playing time, or in some cases a fair bit of starting time over the last year or two too. Like you know, for example, um, you know, we've talked about Cox stepping into the starting lineup, we've talked about Jamal Bell stop, stepping in in the bowl game. Um, but the guy who might protect the quarterback's blindside, Grant Stark, did the same thing too when Jacob Gardner sat out. Um, so, you know, he held his own. He is a sophomore. He, even if he has his up and downs this year, he could be like a future cornerstone as this offense grows over the next two or three years. Um, you know, guys like Drew Cannon, you know, Cannon started five games last year. Jacob Nunes started three games. Um, you know, they brought in, transfer guys you know kai arneson could step in and, and maybe start at center um jacob capra who they brought in from san diego state saw playing time in eight games over the last couple of years so while we don't exactly know who the starting five is going to be it seems like they have at least what seven or eight options that might be useful and they'll all get their chance again that first couple weeks of the season again yeah, they'll all get their <laughs> chance i think and yeah, it can't be worse than last year. That's the thing we've kind of been saying. We'd hope not, but Frost is a good starting point. Second team All-Mountain must play last year as a guard. I believe he's still going to be playing that position. Or no, tackle actually this year, excuse me. Fourth year full-time starter, so learn from him. And I'm trying to think what Oregon – yeah, they had Travis Dye last year, ran the ball pretty well, but he's not USC. I'm trying to think what anything's Ken Wilson were bringing over from the Ducks. But, again, this is open trout season for basically everybody, and so fall, you had spring, fall camp – first couple games or two to get going but again it's hard it's gonna be hard to be worse than last year if they're the same that's kind of disappointment but we don't expect too many great things from this team anyway so we'll maybe somebody will surprise us but let's move on to the defense which well what do we gotta say about the defense they have don peterson star defense tackle who you i, I sneak i took a sneak peek at the top 50 you had him pretty high on your list right that's because he's been good for years was he like top five for you if not higher yeah Okay, I'm not gonna give your spot to him. I'm just saying, just asking. Oh no, no. I mean, you you can say what you like. I think Don Peterson is very good. No, he's up there with me too. The question, I don't think the, it was high. But the, but there's questions bound on this side of the ball too. Well, um, yeah, outside of him, you know, a, like, a lot of those a lot of those same metrics that we just talked about with the offensive line, um, they they also pertain to the defense too. So like line yards per carry, they were 119th. Yeah. Uh, opportunity rate 126th. Stuff rate, interestingly enough. 
120th. So they're, 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 which is interesting. It's always really fascinating to me when there's these huge splits between stuff rate and sack rate, because one of the things that they were exceptional at last year was getting to the quarterback. As a team, the Wolfpack had an 8.6% sack rate, and that was 23rd in the country. Hmm. The problem was they had tremendous difficulties sometime against the run. Um, you know, in addition to all of those things that I just mentioned, you know, if you take a look at the, the five games that they lost in particular, like you mentioned Kansas State, but one thing they all have in common in those five games, they gave up nearly six yards of carry. And so, you know, the trick is, is, is trying to improve upon all of those former things. So basically just trying to improve against the run while also holding on to what you did well in 2021, while also undergoing a, a good deal of, of personnel turnover. So, I, you know, I would say having Peterson back is definitely uh, an asset in that regard. Although I, I have, I worry that he's facing double teams week in and week out. Um, which is why I think that a guy like Christopher Love, who saw, a, you know, I would say a slight uptick in his playing time down the stretch last year, like his numbers don't jump off the page. You know, three sacks, two tackles, excuse me, two tackles for loss. Those numbers should be switched. I think I wrote three sacks, two TFLs, should be the other way around. But, you know, he could be the guy who sees the lion's share of the, of the starting job opposite Peterson. So I would imagine the interior is probably in better shape than the, than the, than the edge rushers. Those edge rushers are going to be on a, on a, under a huge amount of pressure to try and perform because Peterson and Love are the only defenders back who had multiple sacks last year. Interesting. One other and so there's, oh, there's so there's a lot of question marks. So like you know they 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 have Braylon Garcia, they brought in Marcel Walker who you know flashed a little bit of pass rushing ability, um, but he did that at Southern Connecticut State, which if memory serves is a Division two school. So like there's a big jump up for some of these guys into starting roles or at least into part time roles, and if there's like one major red flag that could hold this team back this year. Um, it's, it might be that inability or, or a lesser ability, let's say, to generate a pass rush. Yeah, and then one other thing getting at, like that overall, the de- did you know the defense, we'll get to all this stuff, but I know part of this is the offense, but they were number one in turnover margin and margin per game. And seventh in total mm-hmm. turnover gained, 14 picks and, uh, let's see, uh, 13 fumbles gained. And that is all across the defense. We'll get the secondary and get to the and that's one of the Phil Stills things typically or most people turnover luck I guess because you know it's not a round ball that bounces straight up if you hit it on the ground it goes weird tips ball yeah. bounces awkwardly it's, no I know all I, I know all about fumble luck I'm and, telling, and hey, to that point people may not know who are listening the, I'm not talking just you here <laughs> yeah else. yeah well, okay so should we lay that out just for a second yeah go for it so basically um, the way that it was explained in Football Outsiders is that everything leading up to when the ball hits a dirt is a, is a skill. So like, you know, causing a fumble is a skill. Recovering a fumble is not a skill. We all remember. That is more or less the distinction. If anybody remembers the Florida State-Boise State game a couple years ago, year one of Hank Bachmeyer. Yeah, the 2019 game. 2019, the ball's going, I don't remember, I don't know who was an offense or defense, but there's three large Florida State guys kind of dancing around the ball. Couldn't get it. This Boise State guy comes out nowhere, dives on and catches the ball. On the ground. That's kind of one of the more so, extreme so examples. 
With that in mind, though, I will note that I would I would argue that Nevada didn't really benefit from a huge amount of fumble walk last year because they recovered 13 out of 23 altogether, which is about 56%. So if you're thinking of recovering a fumble as like a 50-50 enterprise, mm-hmm. like they were a little bit lucky, but not like flashing red sign, this is likely to regress lucky. I think part of it was the, only, the Kirkshire Strong only had nine interceptions and only two fumbles all year. Yeah. So it's not just what you recover, but it's also what you don't give up. So that too. while they're fumble, like sorting here, interceptions gained, they were only, they're still a top 30 team, tied for 26, fumbles gained. They only had six, so they're pretty far down on there, if I, my math is correct here. They is mostly part of, no, sorry, they're six, my bad, 13 fumble gains. So they're pretty good on what they recovered. But part of it is, is, is your offense good? If their offense turned the ball over four more times, six more times, they would be, much lower on this list. So it's not just what defense can do, but if, like you mentioned, basically 50-50 getting the fumble, it sounds about right, but you're right. They weren't extremely lucky one way or the other. It's just the offense was very protective with the football. But the defense mm-hmm. needs to try to do something like that. Maybe Don Peterson can get his big hand up there and knock, tip a ball in midair. Somebody else dives and catches it. Or they may not even see this fumble gain or interception gain because if – Tip passes because we'll get the secondary they brought in the Michigan transfer. It's a pretty big deal at cornerback. And it may just be pass breakups or something that may not necessarily turn into a, a switching possession of who has the ball. So I just wanted to bring that up because that's going to decrease almost for certainty. Not that it, well, it does automatically, but with all the new talents, new offense, defense having some talent, but not as much as last year. I know there's upperclassmen all over this defense, but they're lacking that actual game experience. So expect that to go down. It's just if you want to be a team, I don't know how good they'll well, – I don't think they'll be all that great, but I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they're like middle of the pack this next year. That's kind of where I think they'll drop in this uh, particular well, and, and it's And it's funny that you mentioned veterans because nowhere is that more true than at linebacker where you know, the, the guys who seem to be projected in the two deep, you know, guys like, you know, uh, like you know, Josiah Bradley – Naki Mate Ayalona, uh, you know, Damian Blackwell, Jonathan Thomas, those kinds of guys. They're all juniors and seniors, but they're like as a unit, it is basically a blank slate. So, like, like even more so than the pass catchers, even more so than the offensive line. Like, at least the offensive line had frost back, yeah. you know. And at least, you know, at least Jamal Bell had a one start under his belt. Like th- this group. Is like we talk about unknowns, like man, this could go in any direction. But what's interesting to me is like, you know, for, for someone like Bradley in particular, he is finally getting a chance to shine. You know, it's it's really easy to forget that he was the top recruit in the Wolfpack's 2018 class, I believe. Um, but you know, he's been sitting, he's been behind guys like you know, Diane Henley, Lawson Hall for so long that you know this is going to be his time like the time is now and that but that's also true for for all of those other guys i just mentioned and it's like you know i, I always say that i'm hesitate I, i'm hesitant to project what it's going to look like i just in this case you sort of shrug your shoulders and be like well i don't know it could be good <laughs> yeah. it could be bad it could be anywhere in between i don't it's I guess one good thing, Ken Wilson coached linebackers at Oregon. He coached some guy named Kayvon uh, Thibodeau, who is, a, as far as I recall, a pretty good uh, linebacker, as we saw when they played yeah. Fresno State last year. And then he went to the uh, Giants, I believe, top five pick. That's where he ended up going. 
So uh, yeah. yeah, this is an area where Ken Wilson, like, all right, I got this. This is me. I coach his position. You guys have played a little bit, but you've been around for a while. We'll get you in ship shape and go crush some quarterback skulls and get some TFLs and sacks. We'll well, see. And here's here's the other good news is, you know, if the front seven, front six, what, I think they're running a four, two, five. Mm-hmm. If the guys up front can carry enough weight, the secondary might be sneakily pretty good. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Because, you know, because you look at last year, um and and do you like passer rating isn't the most accurate sense of of how good a secondary is but do you realize that nevada finished third in the mountain west no opponents passer rating last year it's pretty good i mean you mentioned the 14 interceptions and that's always hard to predict from year to year but i think you can be encouraged by the fact that even though burdale robbins is gone depending on how you slice it you know this unit could have three or four starters back Tyson Williams, Bentley Sanders, Isaiah Asissima, Jawan Claiborne, you know, the, the last of whom very nearly left the program, <laughs> but was enticed to come back from the transfer portal. Um, and, you know, despite the fact that they allowed a completion rate of 61.3% last year, they also only gave up 6.6 yards per attempt, which is pretty good. I think that was the third or fourth in the conference, if memory serves. It was, it was third behind San Diego State. In Wyoming, who who are typically thought of as as being pretty good secondaries, so I think that there's a lot of promise here. There's at least a lot of veteran leadership, a lot of veteran production, because you know I believe they were also fourth or fifth in the conference in terms of passes defended too, and that tends to be one of those things that correlates to to being successful from year to year. So so having the lion's share of that production back from last year could mean good things, even if other things go sideways on the side of the ball. Yeah, because guys that bring back, like Darian, or traded for Darian Borden Green from Michigan, Tyson Williams, Bentley Sanders, this might be their best unit overall of the whole team, possibly, mm-hmm. with who's coming back yeah. and transfer coming in. And and think about who they played, too. when They, they played in the West Division. Essentially, I guess we still have divisions at the moment. Iowa throw quite a bit, but not a great team with just new, new coaches and everything. Aztecs, new quarterback, don't throw a ton. They'll get challenged versus Fresno State versus San Jose State, and who knows what UNLV would do. So they'll have a handful of teams where, and they play Air Force the opposite in the Mountain Division this year, and so they don't face a ton of high flying teams. They have Boise State on the on, at home as well to play, so they'll get tested enough, but it won't be they won't rely on them. But there'll be games here or there where they have to step up big time. Only a handful, I guess. CSU would count that yeah. as well because what Norvell's going to do, and I guess for special teams, do they is Brandon Tallon the best kicker mm-hmm. in the conference? Uh, he might be the best one left. The best one left. We've had a good run of place kickers. Well, I mean, uh, some people, some guys have graduated. That's what I mean. Exactly. He's been around for a little while. So you get him kicking field goals. And, who does yeah, a good and, job. And by his raw numbers, it seems like, oh, we had a down year last year. A lot of that, though, was driven by the fact that they they put him in a lot of tricky situations. You know, it, 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 it's a similar kind of thing that Matt Ariza did at San Diego State last year. Mm-hmm. So he was 22 of 30. But within 40 yards, he only missed two out of 15 tries. And I think that that's a better measure of, of how reliable a kicker can be. And he was pretty good from 40 to 49 yards as well. I think he was only two of five from beyond 50, which, you know, that'll drag the whole average down. Exactly. But I don't think that Wolfpack fans need to be worried about him or anything like that. No, that'll be good. I guess, is it is returning going to be um, Jamal Bell, I believe, probably? I would imagine that he'll continue returning kicks. 
Uh, the tougher job would be replacing Romeo Dubs as the punt returner. Obviously, anything with Dubs involved is difficult. So, I, I'd say the oh, special teams. Um, I forget where we had the ranking. I should pull that up, but they're probably what top four in the conference. I'm guessing. Give or take, yeah. I mean, and then you know, the, maybe the biggest challenge of all is trying to replace Julian Diaz yeah. because you know he wasn't setting records in the same way that Ariza or Matt Stonehouse were. Who was? Uh, but he was still third best in the conference last year, averaging 45 yards per punt, which is, you know, not an easy thing to replicate. And so I think, again, if there's, I'm not going to say it's a red flag, but, you know, that might be a yellow flag that, you know, you know, it could be a problem that compounds itself if they lose field position more often than not, because they aren't getting as much out of the punting game as they were the last couple of years under Diaz. That's what I'm saying. All right. Ready for schedule talk? Let's do it. All right, as we alluded multiple times, it opened up at New Mexico State, Texas State, Incarnate Word, at Iowa. First game, fourth game are on the road. New Mexico State, are they, um, I forget, they're joining the conference eventually, aren't they? Are they're they going to conference, conference USA next year. So they'll be with UTEP, so UTEP has some sort of Western partner at some level? Uh, yeah, it, you know, it's nice that the Aggies at least get a little something. A as little? a treat. <laughs> a treat. So New Mexico State is... Uh, What's a kind of word? Not a good football program. They do have a new head coach. We discussed this many times before in other preview podcasts and probably. Yeah, I'm trying to. They play four different Mountain West teams this year. Oddly enough, all four of them are at home in Las Cruces. How did they pull that off? How did that happen? Good for them. Just, I guess a quirk, quirk of scheduling, I guess. Good for them. No, no home and no home and homes with Hawaii this year. Uh, That's not, why. They don't play Hawaii at all this year. Oh yeah, no, no, sorry. No, actually they do. No, sorry. My my chart, I have NMS, NMSU, not New Mexico State written out. Probably my Google Doc could make it too big. But they go, yeah, that's uh, it has interesting interesting quirk, but they're not a good team. Jerry Kill, new head coach, um, was at um Central Michigan TCU, correct? TCU most, most recently. Yeah. He had some health issues, that's why he reti- stepped down. He did a pretty good job at Central Michigan. But New Mexico State overall, this might this will actually be a I think a decent test for Nevada just because of all the new players they have. It's not an FCS school when they play Incarnate Word next week, or excuse me, Texas State, and then Incarnate Word after. It's going to be a not a – I'd say Nevada's better. I predict them to win. But when you look at New Mexico State and the talent-wise and what's going up against Nevada, both new coaches, both new type of schemes, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good game where – now, not a good game, but my point being a good contest for them to see where they stand and who might be like the next kind of – key player because I think they're going as I mentioned throughout earlier they're going to kind of rotate through guys and see who does what against the game where they probably should win not that they I might be in cocky oh they can play their backups or mix in all 10 wide receivers switch every other quarter for QB and all this type of stuff but I think it's almost close to that level but not quite where they should be fine against this team that's um, might win a couple of games I understand what you're saying and and without giving too much away because I know we're going to talk about the Aggies two more times in future podcasts you know, one thing I'm sort of interested in is, you know, with their quarterback situation in particular, where, you know, they last year's starter, uh, Jonah Johnson, left the transfer portal. They do have, you know, a couple of incumbents in Dino Maldonado and West Higgett. But one guy that they brought in who seems to have the inside track to the starting job mm-hmm. is this guy, Diego Pavia, who is an in-state product, I believe he's an Albuquerque native. Won a junior college national title last year at the New Mexico Military Institute, which is a pretty good program. Yeah, and and it seems like you know he's a guy who can do a little something with both his arm and his legs. Which you know he I don't know if he's going to be able to 
carry an entirely rebuilt offense on his own. But, you know, New Mexico State may have more signs of life than they did last year, but this is still a game that, you know, especially what, uh, you know, even if it's on the road, this is a game that Nevada should win. Yeah, I'm looking over at our buddy Pete Futak at CF College Football News. He lists, I believe, seven of the top ten players on defense side of the ball, so that could be an interesting thing to see how the offense stacks up against yeah. this, this this team. Like, their best player is probably Chris Ojo, like 72 tackles, six sacks, 16 TFLs, a couple forced fumbles. Mm-hmm. So this would be a good test for the offense, especially offensive line. Like, okay, can you push around a team that has, a, I would say, at least an average defense nationally? But it's a yeah. win, right? Am I correct? Do you say victory or not? You are correct. Any confirmation? Because that game, you never know, man. I'm just oh, no. I, I said that this oh. is a game Nevada should win. Sort so about, I have it as a win. Sort of like Texas State. They get the Bobcats at home. they looking through who they have a quarterback. It might be, um, who knows? A lot of transfers coming in here. Lane Hatcher. Is that going to be the guy for sure? Probably. Probably. And, and a lot of that has to do with past precedents. Like if, if you are a Utah State fan listening to the podcast, you might be familiar mm-hmm. with his name. Because he's the guy who split time with Logan Bonner at Arkansas State for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Three years at Arkansas State, to be exact. Three years at Arkansas State. And, and last year, I believe he, if memory serves, and, and Jeremy Harper, if he ever listens to this, might you know, scream in the podcast, correct me. But I believe he won the starting job last year over James Blackman, the former Florida State quarterback. And the, and the results were decidedly more mixed. You know, he, he completed... Uh, he's completed 62% of his throws in over the course of his career, but last year he had you know 19 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. And he's going to a team that historically has not been very good. But you have to think like if if they're ever going to take a step forward, the time is now, especially since you know the Bobcats are returning. If I remember, if, if I'm looking at Bill Steele correctly, they're returning nine starters on offense. Um. You know, they have their there's their lead running back from last year, Calvin Hill. He's back. You know, he averaged five and a half yards per carry. He's but he only scored three touchdowns last year. You know, they have all but one of their top like seven, eight, nine pass catchers back from last year, too. Um, but again, it's it's really hard to say whether they have any game breakers in this offense, and they still have to try and make up for a defense that you know wasn't really much good at anything last year. Um you know, they weren't very good at sacking the quarterback. Yeah, they were 115th nationally with a 4.3% sack rate. So again, the, you know, the Bobcats might be a little better than the Aggies, but I I would think that Nevada should win this game too. I think they should as well. It's at home, running games suspect, but the talent-wise, Nevada should be fine. Incarnate Word, they lost their quarterback, lost their OC to Washington State. This should be another victory. But if they keep the same system, which was pass, 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 and spread – it might be interesting for a minute, but overall, I'm going to say no. Yeah, I mean, in Carter Ward's sort of a fascinating team just because, you know, you don't really know what they're going to look like this year because of all that turnover. Um, but at the same time, this is a team that that just last week, as we're recording this, led the Southland Conference in all conference selections, mm-hmm. including Ooh. the guy who might be their new starting quarterback, Lindsey Scott Jr. Gotcha. Um, you know, he was the starting quarterback at Nickel State, another FCS program. But he also, he was sort of an interesting player. He threw for 2,000 yards and 16 touchdowns. Also ran for almost 1,000 yards, 990 to be exact, and had nine touchdowns on the ground. 
So, you know, that's a kind of dual threat quarterback that could pose a unique test for the Wolfpack. Um, and, and, it, and, you know, beyond that, it seems like the bulk of their strength is expected to be on offense. Like they still have the top wide receiver from last year back, Taylor Grimes, who, you know, 87 catches, 1,100 yards, 16 touchdowns. Um, so he's, I mean, he's one of the best wide receivers anywhere on the FCS level. Um, so it's an offense that should be able to put up points. And, and I would say like, if there's a red flag for an upset bid anywhere between, you know, FCS teams versus Mountain West teams, this might be number one. You think so? It might be. Do we like, need- I, I mean, it's, it's also, it's also anybody's guess as to whether Incarnate Word is going to be able to stop anyone <laughs> um, because that was sort of their Achilles heel last year. And it, it is probably the thing that is going to separate Nevada in this game in the long run. So I have it penciled in as a win. But this is this is not uh, an FCS team that you want to take for granted. So what you're saying, in addition to our Power Five victories, we need a FCS possibility of victory uh, meter, correct? Maybe an upset alert poll. Upset, yeah. There we go. All right. So they go to Iowa next week. Our next game loss. Um, what are we, is there any chance it could beat Iowa? Like we know they don't have an offense, so if it's a low scoring game, anything can happen. Like Brandon Colorado Tal- State did hang around for roughly two and a half to three quarters. Can Brandon Talton just kick four field goals and they win twelve to six? Just saying, I don't know. But then, but then ultimately, Iowa just Iowa it all over them, and I, I have to imagine that's going to be more or less the same game plan this year. Uh, you know, the quarterback Spencer Petrus, wholly unremarkable, prototypical Iowa quarterback. <laughs> he completed fifty-seven percent of his passes, only ten touchdowns last year. To go along with nine interceptions, but it hardly gosh. matters. Top five teams oh can simply gosh, so bad. choke the life out of you. Um, you know, I, I would imagine that that is where most of their NFL prospects for 2023 are. You know, in in addition to Sam Laporta, their yeah. tight end, who is probably one of the best in the country. You know, you look on that that side of the ball on defense. Uh, you know, they've got Riley Moss, Jack Campbell, uh, Jack Campbell. You know, they've got excellent special teams as well. Tory Taylor is one of the best punters in the country. So, yeah, I mean, this, this it's probably going to be a long and painful afternoon for the Wolfpack. I have that one as a loss. Exactly. And then we have a stretch of conference games where they basically go every other week home road until they have a back-to-back Boise versus Fresno matchup. Um, they go to Air Force. No, because the running game, and we've seen what, they, what could be done. Like, we're not going to dive deep into Falcons. Go listen to that preview, which we have did uh, – a while back, but we know they got Brad Roberts, Zeke Daniels. I think the biggest key in this game, obviously, is try to slow down the big expl- any team you play Air Force. They'll get the yards. You don't let them have the seven yards per carry in a game. And I don't know how yep. much Dom Peterson can get his hand and put a hand, get a hand on a leg or a helmet or a jersey of whoever's running the ball back there. And that's going to be their biggest, biggest thing they're going up against. I know the Falcons' defense isn't ideal or what it has been because of finally replacing some talent, but. They're going to get run over. We've already seen them get run over anyways against teams that don't run this type of offense last year. And if it's anything similar, because, again, it's like we mentioned before, it's a lot of new guys despite being upperclassmen, experience is lacking. But I don't think Nevada can keep pace with Air Force at all. Those get run up against. No, I don't think so. And then we kind of blast through these really quick. They have CSU is the game I'm looking for all year. This might be the most interesting game of the whole conference season by any team. It's the narrative game of the year. Colorado State hosts Nevada on the football field of Mackey Stadium that has soccer lines on there, which is embarrassing if you're a football team. Oh, man. Jay Norvell returning. You have half the players we mentioned returning back to Reno. 
is uh, so. What do you think, Jay Norvell's personality is? Is he a guy who wants to shove it in somebody's face, or does he seem like a nice guy? Did you see what he did to Colorado State at the end of last year? <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Yeah, but now he. But look what team he's on now. He's on the other team. I think that I think that his offense is one in which they will put the pedal to the metal at every opportunity. Because wasn't the uh, the Nevada CSU game was the very last game of the year, right? Where Steve Adazio got ejected yes, at halftime. So he disappeared into the stadium and was never heard from again. 49-10 Nevada. <laughs> Army CSU. Oh man, I almost I ruined that there. Uh I I don't think he's gonna want to run it up and like embarrass them, but we you're right. He doesn't like to let things up. And it'll it's just gonna be a, one of the more interesting games of the year just because of there's been very few times, if ever I can think of a, a head coach going within the conference. Any he's like, he's like Anakin Skywalker. He will do what he or no, not Anakin Skywalker. Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> do he will he, do what he must, and he'll win by three touchdowns, probably. Right? Probably. They go to Hawaii, which I, it's a loss, obviously. So they lost two for me. They go to Hawaii, which I have a loss down as well. The back to back at Hawaii, San Diego State's interesting, just because it's difficult. Like the last half of the schedule after Hawaii gets it's very tough. Four lost five outside of UNLV, but that's a rival game. So really, the final five games are quite difficult. I don't think they can go to Hawaii. I know they struggled on the islands. They finally broke through a couple years ago, but it's going to be a similar situation. Basically, new head coach, an inexperienced head coach, a lot of transfers leaving each program. This could be a game where it could get frisky just because of, at this point in the year, Matt, we'll know who is who, but Brandon Schrager is probably the quarterback for Hawaii. Timmy Chang is going to want to sling the ball, throw it a lot, be an ex- try to be an exciting brand of football. But if they're going to throw a lot against his secondary, I don't know if a Hawaii can break through against the experience and talent Nevada has in that back four. Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling a little more optimistic about the Warriors than I think of. It seems like a lot of at least regional prognosticators are. I think I'm more optimistic about their offense in particular, which even if they have a tough matchup against the Nevada secondary, I just I have a hard time envisioning that Nevada is going to have enough answers on offense to be able to keep up with them, and that's why I have that one in pencil down as a loss too. I see, makes sense. In the next few, like San Diego State at San Jose State, Boise State, Fresno State, they're not winning losses. Any, all losses, Aztecs for obvious reasons. Listen to our recent podcast on them, but defense is amazing. Despite them turning in or turning, asking me a. What am I trying to say here? Losing running backs like Greg Bell, Chance Bell steps in. They have good receiver in Jesse Matthews. So we have Bur- uh, Burma- what's his name? Shoot, I'm blanking on all the bees. Bur- what's his Braxton name? Burmeister? Yeah, Braxton Burmeister. I'm like Birmingham. No, that's not it. Burster. Bur- yeah, whatever. Braxton QB. It'll be fine. Essex are. There's a reason they're projected to be one of the like the media poll spoilers. They got second behind Fresno State, which makes sense, but doesn't mean they can't win. At San Jose State could be interesting, but again. It's a team that's going to pass the ball a lot. They have Elijah Cooks there from Nevada who transferred over. Shavon Cordero from Hawaii transferred over. The running game might finally find its way to get going after like Kyrie Robinson not being ideal. But if you have a bad running game, well, Nevada can solve that for you to have a good good contest running the ball on the ground. And I don't think Brent Brennan is going to have a repeat of last year. They might not go win the conference, but they're probably – I projected them in a bowl projections to go to win at least six games. I forget my – I don't think I put a record on it quite yet, but – that's a win for San Jose State because the offense, Boy State, obviously, too much firepower. Fresno State, too much firepower. What do you think about UNLV, Matt? So, oh, sorry. Unless you want to have any thoughts about the. Oh, no, no, no. I was gonna. I was just gonna ask you the same thing. <laughs> the Rebels, the <sighs> Cannon. 
we'll talk more about the rebels when we get there. I want to like them more than I do. I do as well. I'm thinking because the quarterback situation is up in the air. They had so many close games last year. They lose Charles Williams, running back. We're just kind of listing through some random stat player leaving and whatnot. Marcus Arroyo's entry in year three seems pretty optimistic. Their immediate days, like we're going to be tougher, which, okay, duh, you want to be tougher. That's the point. It's on the road. I'm going Nevada, but I'm not confident in one bit that they'll beat UNLV. I mean, I want to like UNLV better than I do. I, I would also say for the purposes of this matchup, I, I mean, I think it'll be a close game regardless, mm-hmm. but I do think that even if the quarterback situation takes time to resolve, I, I, I would say the same thing about UNLV that I'd say about uh, Hawaii, that I just think there's more talent on offense that would keep the wolf back at arm's length. So I have this one as a, as a Nevada loss too. Yeah, so that puts me at four and eight for the year. I see some people put it. What is your record here? What do you have as well? Same three and nine. I think. Three and nine because you know, zero and eight in conference. Yeah, one and seven in conference. Some people like I was reading on Futech and CFN. He's like, well, they could get to a bowl game. I don't. What other games? Because UNLV is clearly a toss up. They could win that one. What other two games are they winning? Like, could it be at Hawaii, CSU? Those are the only two games I'd give them a realm of possibility to win. And maybe San Jose State, if they really fall flat, but I'm, that's putting, there's a big difference between CSU and Hawaii than San Jose State. Like those two, the gap between the Spartans and the other two is pretty far for Spartans being a victory for them. You know, it's really interesting because the way their schedule breaks, most of their winnable games are on the road. Yeah, Hawaii, San Jose State, UNLV, yeah, New Mexico State. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think, you know, stealing one or two of those wins puts you right on the doorstep. And then all you have to do is try and hold serve at home against, you know, I don't know, Colorado State or something like that. So I'm not going to say it's the likeliest possibility. Like if I had to put a percentage on Nevada getting to six and six, I might put it at like, I don't know, 10%. I'm a, I was going to say 8%. So we're in the same, same neighborhood as you. So. So it's probably not the most likely possibility. It is also really possible that I'm hedging a little too much. Well, look at their new head coach. He's he's, he's from Nevada before, if that helps. Ken Wilson. Mm-hmm. He was only the D, I say only, but defense line coach. His experience is lacking overall at this experience at this level. So it's just a lot of unknowns and learning on the job almost. But again, he was with um, Mark or who was he with Oregon? Um, Oregon's had so many coaches the past couple of years. He's just one year with Mario Cristobal, not very long there in Oregon. I believe so. Okay, so he's and Wilson. And thing about Mario Cristobal is hilarious. Not he's well, I don't get it's more Utah Oregon stuff. But basically, like the way he wants to run a program, he's like the military type guy. It seems like so we'll see if Ken Wilson falls in that aspect of being too serious. Not that he, obviously head coach gotta be keep guys in line and have a strong demeanor. <clears throat> But it seems like he's over the top, in my opinion. So who knows if Ken Wilson will bring that out there. But I mean, for Nevada this year, it's going to be a tough year. There could be some interesting games. But the schedule itself, it's you mentioned the easier games on the road, which is kind of unfortunate if you're going to be a season ticket holder and go to home games. But it's that four-game stretch. That last half of the season is going to be very difficult. But then... So we'll see what happens. But you get a couple... You get a rival at home in Boise State. You get Fresno... 
at home. There'll be some fireworks to watch some of these games, but it might unfortunately be on, on, on you're on the receiving end of those fireworks going off when it's 42 to 10 against like Fresno State in the third quarter. Here's how you keep the perspective, though. They went three and nine in June Orvell's first year, too. It's true. And it's- even though it didn't work out all the way, uh, it worked out mostly fine for them. Yeah. Once he figured out a quarterback, he was pretty good. So we'll wait and see. Like Nevada's going to be an interesting team. Yeah, there it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be a rough year, but there's gonna be confidence at the beginning, which will be good. And who knows, maybe that'll lead to something versus CSU in Hawaii. Because if they, here's my thinking: if they can, well, I mean, it's going too far, but I think I'd give them a decent chance to win one versus CSU or Hawaii. That put me at five wins for them. If they could somehow beat San Jose State, that's tricky, but but I'm still going like under ten percent from the win at all, or not win at all, but win yeah. six games. So. That's it for us for today, MWR.com. Check out all of our podcast feeds, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Overcast, whatever. If you, do people use Podbean? Your podcasting still? platform of choice. Do, you, do people use Podbean still to listen to podcasts? I don't know. Just asking for a friend. No idea. <laughs> no idea. All right, but check us out anywhere you find a podcast. Let us know how you like it. We've kind of blasted through these. We've been out of town. I've been sick a little bit, so you can probably tell my voice is kind of going a little bit here at the end, but... We'll have our Media Day podcast at some point, depending on when you're listening to this. It'll be around the same spot in your feed, so check that out. That'll be interesting. And also, I'm going to give a shout-out for everybody coming to our website. July's been the best month of the year so far and our best July of all time, so that's awesome to hear. So thank you for stopping thank you, by. Thank you for visiting MWWire.com. Yes. Also, that's Twitter. MWWire.com. Oh, perfect. Also, Twitter, MWCWire, <laughs> where we will put a poll up for our next team. So here's a way I've left really quick. We'll – Finish your Boise State. We need to do. Say no, those... we've done Boise State. No, we haven't. haven't we? No. Oh, that's right. We haven't. I'm on my. I'm right. on... If we have, I don't know what record I gave you because they're blank on my. You sheet are right here. for a change. I yeah. forgive Woo-hoo, me. I got it. Yes. <laughs> Boise State. We have not done UNLV. We have not done New Mexico or San Jose State. Of what we have not done. So. Yeah. The go to our MWC wire. We'll put up a poll. We'll probably do another one. I'm out of town, so just check the feed. That's all I'm getting at here because go listen to old podcasts. We have some fun, so go do what you need to do to catch up on any team you miss because if this is your first podcast, which it very well could be, go listen to Wyoming, Fresno, Air Force, CSU, Nevada, San Diego State, and Utah State, and also Hawaii. So till next time, check us out one more time, Matt. What's the website again? Tell people. That would be mwwire.com, Jeremy. Yes, check it out. We'll see you next time.